May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Please. I've got to tell you, I love Luke's Gospel. And I have from the earliest days of my childhood. From the description of Jesus' birth, which begins this narrative, to the account of his resurrection and ascension, Luke's attention to detail is compelling. He's a terrific storyteller and a powerful conveyor of a distinct and very accessible Jesus. But what caught my attention as a young child, and perhaps more than any other book of scripture, has shaped my faith and ministry, is Luke's presentation of a Jesus who's a friend of the poor, an advocate for social justice, a prophet who challenges the institutions that oppress people. Each of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, understand and describe Jesus in a distinct way. Not unlike the biographers of today, each looks at the life of the same person and comes away with a unique perspective on who they were, what they stood for, and what made them tick. So too it is with the four evangelists. And although I have to admit I often struggle to understand the mystical nature of the Jesus presented by the Gospel of John and chafe at the hasty pace of Mark's narrative, I have no trouble wrapping my head in my arms around Luke's Jesus, a Jesus who sticks up for those who've been marginalized, a Jesus who sticks up for the weak, the sick, the rejected. So today, dear friends, is the ecstatic joy of angels and magi and birth narratives begin to fade into our memory. We're introduced to a man on a mission, a man who cares deeply for those around him, and a man who clearly has something to say. But above all, Luke wants to make certain that we're listening. This morning's text opens reporting that filled with the Spirit of God, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee regularly teaching in local synagogues. Although Luke doesn't tell us very much about the topics Jesus may have covered, he makes it clear that Jesus' teaching was enthusiastically received and widely praised. Whatever he was offering clearly met with the satisfaction of his audience. But after touring the surrounding villages, Jesus returned to Nazareth, his hometown. And on the Saturday Sabbath, he went to the synagogue where he had spent so much time during his childhood. Hmm. Now you might say, so far so good. What's the problem here? In fact, we might readily expect that the adulation he had enjoyed uh, everywhere else would be amplified when he returned to be at home with family and friends. But that changes in a heartbeat. Now, traditional synagogue worship includes the recitation of the Shema, acknowledging Israel's God as one and supreme. Worship also includes prayer while facing Jerusalem, the Amen response from the congregation, a reading from the Hebrew scriptures, 
a sermon, and a closing benediction. But especially noteworthy for our purposes today is that while men, and only men, could volunteer to read the scriptures and preach in synagogue, they were appointed before the service began. But Luke tells us, Jesus ignored this long-established tradition and whatever assignments had been made, stole the stage, and simply began to read. And importantly, he chose a powerful passage from the prophet Isaiah. The few verses of Isaiah quoted by Jesus and written more than 500 years before his birth focused on the Messiah who was to come, the Messiah who would rescue the Israelites from their captivity in Babylon. The text begins with the assertion, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Thus Israel was to understand that the promised Messiah would be anointed with the very presence of God himself. And who is this Messiah supposed to be? Hmm. And what's this Messiah going to do? Isaiah is straightforward. He minces no words. The Messiah will bring good news to the poor, proclaim release to prisoners, cure the sick, set those who are oppressed free, and proclaim the reign of God. Now to you and me, this might sound pretty good. But it was a stunning revelation to the ears of ancient Israel, as well as to Jesus' audience centuries later. After all, they expected a majestic Messiah, a warrior king. They expected someone like David, someone who would free them from the oppression and slavery they had known under the Babylonians as well as the Romans. It is Jesus addresses the congregation that day. It becomes apparent that the Messiah of Isaiah bears a closer resemblance to Martin Luther King Jr. than George Washington, Ulysses Grant, or George Patton. But then as Jesus finished reading, he simply rolled up the scroll and sat down. Pray tell, the audience must have been wondering, what? No sermon? The man has the gall to usurp the roles assigned to others? And he simply reads scripture? Clearly they were confused. But although Jesus offered no extended exposition of the text, he did have something to share. In fact, he said that the vision of a future Messiah had actually been fulfilled in their presence. They just heard it. They witnessed it. They are seeing it. <laughs> Excuse me? This local boy, this son of Mary, the son of Joseph the carpenter? strolls into the synagogue and claims to be the very son of God? Excuse me. They had to have been shocked. Dead silence. And as we're soon loon, that silence turns to outrage, but that's the story for next Sunday.
Clearly, Jesus didn't follow local liturgical customs. He didn't defer to religious leaders. And he certainly didn't give the congregation what they wanted to hear. No, Jesus crafted his own agenda, made it clear and left no room for equivocation. God's gift of the Messiah, his own son, was not to ingratiate the wealthy, appease the gentry or suborn Rome's incarceration of anyone they deemed untrustworthy. Rather, the Jesus we meet this morning, the Jesus introduced to us uniquely by Luke, decries economic disparity, the abuse of wealth, and the power it wields among those with no defense. The Jesus we meet this morning in Luke rejects walls that isolate us, tax breaks that divide us, and judicial systems that alienate us. And the Jesus we meet this morning demands a health care system accessible for all, voting booths open for all, and a living wage for all. Now we're not going to talk today about the response of the audience to those radical claims. Today our focus is narrow. It's simply on how Jesus understood himself even at that early stage of his ministry. How Jesus understood himself as God's anointed. The Jesus who cares for those abandoned by everyone else. The Jesus who cares for those who long ago lost hope. The Jesus who cares for even you and me. And friends, as we lay claim to that Jesus, to the Jesus of Luke's narrative, he lays claim to us summoning us to his mission and to his ministry. And in doing so, we announce to our world, just as Jesus did to his, that the reign of God has begun. We give voice to those who have none. We demand justice for all of God's children. And we implore those in positions of power to share the gifts of God, so abundantly made available. Indeed, Luke tells us the Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus as he embarked on his ministry. May that same Spirit, granted in our baptism and shared at this table, empower us to work tirelessly, serve faithfully, and pray unceasingly. Amen.